right, welcome to episode number 139 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We're recording on November the 28th, 2021. My name is Eric, I'm the host of the show, based in southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. Uh, as a first responder, I witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events, started a small preparedness company to help people get better prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. I'm shocked you made it through that without giggling. But anyway. Oh, it was a one-star uh, <laughs> read, that's for sure. My name is Ian. I live on Vancouver Island. I'm a student preparedness and hobby farmer. I'm Scott, first responder, splitting my time between southern and northern Ontario. I like learning things, and I don't accept that things will always carry on in the way they have, just because it would be convenient for everyone. And I'm Jeff. I'm based in central Ontario. I'm a target shooter. I'm a ham radio operator, just let me be clear on that now, and general overall <laughs> handyman. Want to support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air? Buy some swag. We have both the Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt and the tactical Velcro patch at prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds help keep the lights on, the backup generator fueled, and the search for Alan continuing. We know he's out there. We got a cryptic message. He's, he's searching for his nemesis. We're not sure if it's carbon monoxide or communists. A little bit of column A, little column B. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes to like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. We also want your feedback, good, bad, or one star, or just if there's a topic you want us to cover, you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Oh, boy. <laughs> We've got some protected content for you in this episode. We're going to start off with some uh, recent news articles, and then we're going to let you know what we've done for our preparedness since the last episode. Then we're going to get into the main topic. What's in each of our Faraday boxes? And guaranteed, it's not a star. <laughs> Let's move into the news, shall we? News time. Uh, so first article I have from the Vancouver Sun, a refinery runs out of crude oil. So I guess there's three refineries pretty much supplying most of the you know, refined oil products in BC. The one in Burnaby, unfortunately, has run out of crude oil and stopped producing. So a third of our refined petroleum products production is offline uh, combination of trucking shortages rail shortages and pipeline shutdowns it led to that but i mean we'll see how it goes from there but we're still okay for gas with little restrictions in place uh next one i had was from just actually a video from rumble um the protests in greece regarding various health measures uh have escalated to the point where they are uh, throwing like baseball sized rocks at Anybody that resembles riot police, government officials, anybody else. Very, uh, very Spartan-esque. Um, yeah, so I just thought it was like interesting to see how things are escalating um, across the world in various places. Factual, not opinionated. That's all I'm just saying. Are you sure about that? I, I have video proof. Okay. All right. And I've got a couple here. Um, one of them, obviously, everybody's well aware of the floods that happened in BC, but uh, Nova Scotia got uh, kind of hit with the same thing. They've got uh, three separate, I believe it's three or four separate uh, washouts on the Trans-Canada. Uh, one of them, the only way to get around is to uh, ferry it. And instead of it being a six-hour ferry ride, it's now uh, 14 hours. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen it, but there was actually a, a short video of uh Somebody on one side of the, the washout, somebody on the other side, and they tied the two ends of a cooler to ropes, and they were pulling the cooler back and forth, and that's how they were uh, moving their food. So 
ingenuity is uh, top of mind there. You got to get it done and it works. Um, the only other thing I've got is uh, it's on the other side of the country and it may or may not be related, uh, but it's basically that uh, Russia is massing troops near the Ukrainian border again. Uh, they did it back in the spring and it was kind of a, I don't know, I don't know how to, it was, it was sort of fake. They, they did it, but they had no intention of actually attacking or anything. Now they're saying that they think this one is, has a better chance of Russia actually doing it. And, um, you know, you look at what they did in Crimea, they more or less got away with it without a scratch on, uh, from them, from any of the other countries or anything, except slapping their hand and saying, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, I'm not so worried about Russia. I'm more worried about uh, countries that back Russia, AKA North Korea for one, um, getting involved in doing something stupid. So um, as with anything else, with the floods and whatever, make sure you're prepared. Well, I think saber rattling is as old as history itself. I mean, so nothing, nothing unusual there, but yeah, like you said, if somebody does something stupid in the interim when tensions are high, that's another thing, especially when they supply most of the natural gas to pretty much all of Europe. Yep. So. So I've got an article about Gravenhurst, Ontario has uh, lost their water supply. Uh, there was a do not use order, uh, which has been improved to a boil advisory, uh, which is continuing. There were some problems with an improperly labeled uh, fluoride container and it shut down the entire water supply and there was concerns about contamination. Um, so people were told to go to the stores, but the stores were either sold out of water or closed because the health department said, you know, you can't run a restaurant business if you don't have running water to wash your hands before you start serving food. So it's a little bit of a mess. Uh, second story, I went to buy a recycling bin the other day at, uh, just from the town up here and they were sold out. And I spoke to the gentleman. He's like, yeah, the company that makes them is having a hard time getting plastic. <laughs> They're having trouble getting the resin to make recycling bins. So that was just a little scary story of uh, more and more issues with supply chains. It's like a recycling death spiral. If they can't get the recycling plastic to the, the place, how do they make more bins, right? <laughs> you, oh, you, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Shall we move into what we've done lately for preps? Uh, so with our guest from last week, uh, leading up to that show, we'd actually been doing some talking with the sales guys at disasterpreparer.com. And they have now added Canadian shipping as a drop-down option on their website. Uh, so just flat rate uh, shipped to Canada. So I teamed up with Eric to get some of their items for a little bit of hardening. So I'm very pleased about that. Yeah, it's convenient that that's, uh, that's an option now. You don't have to email back and forth and, and play the email tag game for a little bit. Yeah, and uh, I mean, they just do flat rate shipping. It's a little more expensive than I'd like, but it's also less than they were quoting us initially. So that's cool. Freya brings up a very good point. Uh, we won't need the bins if there's no stuff coming in. So silver linings, oh, right? Good point. Yeah. yeah. Good point. <laughs> and I just did, uh, I had a pretty busy week, but I was able to do a little bit of work on my uh, large Faraday box and my smaller uh, ammo can. And that's about all I got done. 
Okay, that's all right. Uh, for myself, crazy, insane uh, work or week at work. Uh, but uh, like Scott mentioned, was able to uh, hop on that purchase to to harden the vehicle and, and portable generator. So looking forward to that uh, arriving and getting that installed. Uh, and then uh, also just beefed up my portable HF setup a little bit. So got a, uh, a battery pack so I can move around with the uh, the HF radio a little bit easier and a little amplifier for it too. So I can push out a little bit more power if I need to. Awesome. Yeah. As for myself, I've uh, been kind of busy just mostly hanging around the homestead because of what's going on here in BC. Uh, it's reloading season, so I've been busy making some freedom seeds in the uh, the shop there in the rainy weather. Still getting tiny, tons of rain every day. A couple CGN deals, of course. Uh, Get out of here. Ten, 10 minutes in. There you go. <laughs> Eight minutes, 54 <laughs> seconds. Yep. Yeah. Uh, built the Faraday box, as uh, my little finger is pointing to right there. Ah, look at that. Uh-huh. Um, let's see here. What else did I do? Yeah. Started our first attempt at the ham round table. That was about a week and a half ago, I guess, but I, I missed last week, but we're trying to like trying to encourage some guys to, uh, get their, their written done. So Jeff joined me on that one and we kind of just chatted up some guys on that. And I think we encouraged a couple guys to, to start picking up the pace on that. Sounds good. Nice. Um, other than that, see here, my lard up some rice. If you look right up here on the bunk bed without a mattress, that is a uh, mylar bag of rice. And uh, just do that because of the, the moist weather. I'm just trying to keep the rice from going skunky or anything else. Other than that, because I've been just mostly bugging in, I've just been, you know, if I go out, I'll top up the fuel because I'm limited to 30 liters. So I'll just make sure everything stays at like 15, 16 full or something. Um, went over to the Island Mentor's place, uh, did some vehicle maintenance and switched out the winter tires because he's got a hoist and I don't. And it was just easier to do it that way. I tried doing it at home and screwed up a couple of the order of the tires and I was like, yeah, let's do it properly there. I uh, did a quick uh, wiring repair for some rusted out uh, taillights and uh, that's pretty much it, I think. When you mylar your rice, what size bags do you put it in? Uh, actually, the small, I started out with the big ones and I was actually leaving them in the package, but I found it would not seal properly. But then if you do the the one or two gallon, like the small, I think they're like, they're like 12 by 16 or 18, Eric sells them. And um, you, you get about two and a half bags, mylar bags for every bag of rice. And uh, you put, you know, three or four of the hundred, or three or four of the little packages of oxygen absorbers. And I put, throw also throw in a hand warmer just to make sure. And after you seal up, it just sucks it tight. And it's just like, there's no air in there. There's no oxygen. So it's going to last for a long time. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. I think that might've been your, one of your shortest, what we've done lately, Ian. Well, yeah, I was actually like <laughs> kind of shocked. I've just been sitting there at home. I should do better actually, but oh, I, I actually had to do a lot of online school too. So it kind of sucks. Can't really go anywhere at the, the moment either. Right. So literally it's it is. It, they actually, well, the other mentor and I actually took a drive down into Nanaimo because they fixed that pothole. And we you could see clearly where that, that hole in the highway was. And they've had to replace culverts and piping and everything else, but it's all it's all good now. So we can at least get to Nanaimo, which is good. So oh, that's good. Yeah, all good. Shall we move into the main topic? So last week we had Dr. Arthur Radley on as our guest, talking about EMP solar storms and how to build Faraday boxes. Uh, Faraday boxes tend to be one of those things that regular folks use to mock preppers. Um, I look at it as a fairly simple piece of insurance. Uh, I like to explain it to others as just a more durable version of those anti-static bags they ship electronics in. Uh, while admittedly the odds of an EMP attack are 
completely impossible to calculate. Uh, we all recognize that the impact of one would be pretty severe. So this is a really simple piece of insurance that just seems like a good investment. Uh, it's also just a nice place to put a bunch of useful things that might be part of your go bag, go kit, whatever, if you have uh, a whole set of whatever we happen to talk about today uh, ready to go. That's not a bad thing. Uh, so Dr. Bradley had all sorts of advice on building a Faraday box, basically anything metal to the point of tinfoil, as long as it has a good seal. Um, you know, the, the ammo cans are a really standard one that, uh, because they're such a standard size. Um, so, but as long as you have that seal, that's the, the super important part. So well, I think too, with the seal also when he specified, like, uh, because you don't have a long, thin opening, like a small, if you had a, if you had accidentally drilled a hole in it or whatever, no big deal, but yeah, you want to have no long, thin, uh, openings, right? Yep. So that, that slot antenna that the radio wave just loves to, to sneak into. Yeah, so, a lot of people use the um, the galvanized trash cans. You know, you gotta get the galvanized trash cans, pop the lid on it, seal the seal the lid to the to the can, and as long as you like they say, as long as you've got some sort of a a break in between, like the the cardboard inside between your product and the and the the metal, they don't touch. You're good to go. Yep. So we figured we'd sit and put our, uh, our thinking hats on and figure out what are some things that we have or should have in our, uh, our Faraday boxes. So we kind of put a bunch of categories and we're going to talk through uh, things we want. So let's start with one of the most obvious, our radio equipment, communication stuff. It's all known to be very sensitive to radio frequency. It's made to, <laughs> to suck it in. Uh, so that would be damage. So Looking at our HF, UHF, VHF sets, the power supply for it, the tuner, uh, a wave meter, any of the peripherals, uh, kind of key. Uh, what are your thoughts, gentlemen? How big is that standing wave ratio meter? Like, is it just the size of a cigarette case or something, or is it like small? Uh, they come in a couple of different varieties. Uh, I know at my club, they made a whole bunch of them with Raspberry Pis that were, you know, bigger than a couple of decks of cards, but not much. Oh, okay. So definitely fit in there. No problem. Yeah. You know, it's not I, a giant, giant piece of gear. Well, I think everybody wanted to talk about the low hanging fruit, which was the, the handhelds, right? You know, cause for, for tactical purposes and basic communications, obviously, and everything else. But I think the other thing is too, is, don't leave the antennas attached just in case, you know, if there is some excess radio energy going through, make sure that antennas are separated from the radios and kind of isolated up on their own as well, because why invite the problem just in case there is a leakage, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Or there's nothing wrong with um, what they call nesting. So your radio small enough, stick it in a, in a, a small Faraday bag, seal it up and then throw it inside your Faraday box. You've got a double, uh, a double protection there too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely no harm there at all. So uh, you got your desktop sets, you got your handheld sets, um, FRS, GMRS radios. Um, uh, in a situation where all of a sudden you're going to want to talk to your friends, neighbors, mag people, you know, the people doing security for the neighborhood, whatever, um, that would probably be handy. Uh, whether CB band radios would come in useful. Um, 
that yeah. uh, that also was on the discussion list. We can start that argument if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's it's a form of communication. So yeah, it's it's something that you can look at for sure. And relatively Maybe lower down in the hierarchy. Yeah, you know, I'm not yeah. sure I'd bump some of the other things for up for discussion out for a yeah. CB radio, but, but useful nonetheless. Yep. Um, everyone mentioned uh, like an old cell phone matching charger. You know, if you've upgraded your cell phone and your your old one's sitting around, nothing wrong with it. Perfectly good to give it a charged battery and throw it in the box for a while. And uh, if you ever need it, you'll be very thankful. Well, and I think not even so much for the phone purposes, because obviously if a you know an EMP or a CME goes off, the cell phone towers will probably be offline by the time you open up your box. But I mean, if it has a built-in GPS, like offline GPS app or something that works without cell phone systems, uh, that'd be huge. Or even just for the calculators and anything else you might have for utilities on there, even the the ham radio apps, I mean, would still be handy to have, right? Um, But yeah, not necessarily just for phone usage. Yeah, and I think that's a a point that a lot of people think, why would I throw a phone or a charger or something in my my Faraday box? That's exactly why. Yeah, the network's going to be down. But there's still useful utilities on that that device that you could still use. It's the modern day Swiss Army knife. Well, yeah, I mean, even if it just came out of the Maps.me app, where you've got that, you know, built-in maps that don't require Google Earth or anything else or yeah. Google Maps, and it just it just works on its own. It's just it's so nice to have. Um, and of course, in hindsight, after I put this in, I was like, that was pretty dumb. But chirp uh, programming cable, and I was like, well, I want to have a laptop, so never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but but I only thought of the chirp programming cable because it's got a built-in chip inside the cable, right? And I was like, well, right, yeah. it would be susceptible as well. But by the same token, if you don't have a laptop to do the programming, or what good is it? So I guess... Don't maybe- worry. I got you covered, buddy. We can talk about it in a bit. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I mean, so I, that was my that was my one contribution to this one more than anything else. Well, maybe, maybe you have a friend that has a laptop that's in a Faraday box. Or a small enough one that would fit in. You know, mm. remember those mini kind of little tablets they had there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just the tablet. You don't need a full size laptop. You could just have an older tablet or something. It, does actually does chirp? Is there a chirp available on like an iPad that would work? I guess you could still use nah. it. I don't know. There's a there's a Linux version, so you might be able to get it onto a tablet that's like Android based, but it would mm. take some some finagling. But. I think the, conne- the USB connection would be the hardest part with uh, with an iPad. Yeah, that'd be tricky. Right. So uh, I think we all agree that having lots of communications gear in a Faraday box is probably an excellent start. So yeah, anything else to add under that topic? All right, let's move I on to I'm, tools. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, very good advice from Dr. Bradley. Uh, he talked about having, you know, a hand drill, saw the lithium batteries that have those little internal yep. charging circuitry um, in a Far- Faraday protected case because there'd be a whole lot of work to do and it'd be really handy to have a power drill to be able to do it. Um, so uh, also the, the matching charger that's full of stupid little computer chips. Uh, uh, for my home use, I, I've gone with that Ryobi One Plus system where you know they have 100 or 200 different tools that all use the same battery. So if the tool, you know, if a tool outside of the box survives, great. But you know the batteries are a whole lot easier to come by. They also make a 12 volt car charger for the 18 volt system, 
Sadly, it's only available in the States. Uh, but when I was there a couple of years ago, I got one from Home Depot. And uh, the idea being I can charge those batteries from lead acid that are charged from a solar panel, that kind of thing, rather than charging uh, the batteries from the, so the lead acid from the solar panel, going to an inverter at 110 and back down <laughs> to charge it. Uh, you're just losing energy there. So. As you can see, is there some sort of little step-up transformer in there that goes from 12 to, to be able to charge an 18? Uh, I presume. Yeah. So, I mean, it's uh, it's a standard car plug, so it would be made to take in 12, but, uh, you know, it's just their little sealed system. But rather than depending on 110 AC to do it, I thought that was handy. Yeah. Um, we've talked on previous shows about 3D printers um, mm -hmm. and some of the useful bits there. You know, if you're the guy in the neighborhood that can make whatever part needs making, that's going to make you popular. Yep. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, quick question. So the 3D printer, like what part of it has the chips, like the actual, like the extruder and everything else obviously would be a mechanical device, but where's the actual chips on a 3D printer? Are they, I thought all the software would be running from the laptop, would it not? There would have uh, to be chips in the interface that um, the USB connection uh, yeah, right? I suppose there'd have to be some sort of uh, chip running the servo system, I guess, from the, yeah. the printer. Give it instructions yeah. and such. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Yeah. And I guess my my only, and I'm not saying it's not a good idea, but um, I mean, you've got to heat up that plastic and, and get it to a, a high temperature and whatever. It's very electrical intensive, shall we say. And if you've had an EMP and your electricity's at a... Yeah, I, it's at a premium, yeah. Premium. That's that's what yep. I got. Thanks. That, yeah, yep. would it be something that would really be that useful? I, I mean, I guess if you had a generator that survived, you could use it off of that. But um, well, I don't think you'd be making novelty parts. But if you need to make an adapter to make this work with this, and you know, it makes MacGyvering easier, probably not a bad idea. Yeah, true. I'm just I'm I'm just thinking. And, and I've never really delved into 3D printers that much, but you, you've got to have a program to run it. So you've got to have your computer to be able to have the programs load in to run it, if I'm not mistaken, from when they had uh, Better Andrew was on there to explain it. And um, so, yeah, it just, it'd be great to be able to have it and, and work it. Is it something to take up a ton of space? I, I, I mean, I don't think they take up that much space, but... Um, yeah, it's all relative to what you think you're going to need, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I also think Arduino or Raspberry Pi boards and components mm -hmm. are incredibly useful. Um, it takes very little skill to be able to do things with that. And, you know, whether I have that skill or not, if I have the parts and know someone with the skill and you need to recreate something um you know that would certainly help make life easier and they're pretty tiny yeah so you'd be like a wizard in the you know, post emp apocalyptic world if you had a, a 3d printer <laughs> and a bunch of spare computer boards and stuff you'd be like, yep. are, are you magic yep <laughs> <laughs> as far as I only had one thing to contribute, uh, just the multimeter. Like uh, you mentioned, the, the, the voltmeter, whatever you call it. Uh, just simply the fact is that, like, you know, I'm notoriously mechanically 
special needs, shall we say. And uh, <laughs> so in order not to shock myself when I was building stuff, that's one thing I'd want to have for sure is that not just like a, a light that tells me it's hot or not. This is usually a pretty simple system. I'd actually rather know what's going on before I start shorting stuff out. It's pretty much irreplaceable at that point. So I, just, I think the voltmeter yeah. is probably the one tool I would throw in there. That's and a good one at that, not a not a cheap CT one. Well, and I, I think if uh, if you're able to do simple repairs, uh, that would be incredibly useful. And again, make you that really popular wizard on <laughs> on the block. Oh. Let's see. Um, we had also discussed flashlights last week. Yep. LED flashlights was something we brought up with Dr. Bradley. Yep. Uh, would they have a long enough through surface area antenna to catch, uh, catch problems? So, yeah, I think having, uh, you know, some of the, the nice, certainly the bright spotlight ones would be well, useful. Yeah, we talked about those uh, last week, those chip on board, like those yellow LEDs. Yep. Um, so those are like just individual microchips each pretty much, right? So, I mean, yep. yeah, they definitely need to be protected if you have something like that or, or the big yellow bars, same idea. So obviously going to be very sensitive. And, I, and like I said, I wasn't even sure if it went down to that level, but I guess they do. And I, um, on touching on the flat flashlight issue, I was, I was uh, looking at putting one of those uh, crank it's a crank radio slash flashlight slash you could plug a, a phone in to charge it or something. Just one of those manual crank ones, throw it in there. And at the end of the day, if it doesn't get damaged, that's great. If, if it would damage it, you've protected it and you've got a way to get weather uh, through the, ra through the uh, radio or, you know, potentially maybe a, a farther away radio station that could tell you what's going on and, crank it you've got your flashlight like i say you could charge a f uh small things like a phone or or something else yeah no those, those emergency radios are fantastic we oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely need to add that to our list absolutely uh welding components if if you have a welding set and there's any electronic bits to that are those something that'd be worth protecting again if you're looking to be able to build and repair things when you can't get things from anywhere. Uh, I think that would be useful. Uh, and I think we absolutely need a CO detector. I think that's really key, especially if you're going to be running your wood gas fire. <laughs> well, 26 minutes, 35 seconds. And if Alan's in your group, he'd be disappointed in you and he'd like a sad oh, hand if he didn't have one for him. So. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a Faraday box just full of carbon dioxide detectors. And that's it. It's probably the biggest Faraday box he has. <laughs> the size of a phone booth, just like shipping pallets full of. <laughs> He's probably retrofitted his basement to be a giant Faraday box, and it's just all detectors. detectors. Yeah. <laughs> so it might be handy to have a computer in this uh, post-apocalyptic hellscape. Um, ideally, something that can run any of your surviving peripherals, program your radios. Uh, if it were a small one that charged off a USB-C. Uh, I think that would be really handy versus needing 110 power and its own proprietary charger. Um, I know on uh, on his podcast uh, on the Ham Radio Crash Course, Josh had sort of had a, a very small one that he uh, he used for this purpose, uh, so that he has all that charging stuff. And then he had also some really interesting uh, programs and data to put on it. So um, the computer itself is I don't want to say 
irrelevant, but what we're putting on the computer is kind of important. Yeah. So let's jump into the programs and data that we, we should have on uh, on there. So good thing you have your chirp cable, Ian, because uh, we should probably have, <laughs> have that chirp on. on there. Yep. Well, All right, fun, so let's start with I was going to say, fun fact about the computer, too, is like every computer sold, like whether it be laptop, desktop, or well, laptop especially, you notice how they have the big, you know, obviously transformer on the power cord. They're all designed to run off a 12 volt system. It's just whatever the input is just changes based on where it's sold, right? So that's why it has the one end that can be, you know, changed out quite easily. Um, so you wouldn't actually need a 110 volt source. You could probably just like do some splicing and dicing with the wire and come up with a 12 volt power source and just run it past that transformer and you'd be fine. So you wouldn't have to worry about a 110 volt power source. I feel like a lot of them are silly proprietary awkward voltages. You know, it runs on 19.6 volts. Well, it's written just- right on it. So yeah, it, it it'd be like, yeah, it's written right on it. So it'll tell you exactly what it needs. And most of them are 12. And like, I'm sure VT will, will chip in in about three seconds, but you can <laughs> also have little small buck transformers or whatever. You can probably like some sort of get an adjustable power source. It would probably amp it up and down if needed to, but it's just a quick read on your laptop power source. You'll see what it is. Yep. Yeah, and, and you, I mean, obviously the computer is great for saving things like PDF files of, of information you need. You can download your, personal information in it, like your, maybe your passport, your, your, some health stuff or whatever. And there's lots of resources there. I mean, thousands of them, thousands of files you could, you could download it. Everything from uh, plant identification. If you, you know, you find yourself in the situation where, you know, you you need to go to the woods and start looking for something to forage that might be able to tell you what, uh, what's not going to kill you. That's true. Uh, one of the things that Josh had mentioned in his podcast was you can download all of Wikipedia, the entirety of Wikipedia on your computer as an offline backup. Which I so, think is just fantastic. Uh, I, the nerd in me absolutely loves that. Yeah. Um, but sort of having all of that information available would be incredibly valuable. I think so. so. Um, we talked about Chirp. Um, you know, yeah. repeater book, other ham radio resources. Uh, yeah, repeater book would come in. Yes, d- depending on the the amount of electronics that are damaged, repeater book would be handy. But it all well, really depends. Well, of course. Before I get going too, I got to correct myself instantly. Steve, of course, if you choose to come on the show, it'd be one thing because he should. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Steve just corrected me. So actually, I just double checked on my laptop power supply. So he said 19 volt is the most common power supply. So and I, yeah, mine is 19 volts. So there you go. You'd have to just arrange some sort of a 19 volt power supply, skip the, uh, the 110 volt system and you'd be good to go. So there you go. Uh, and what if uh, just thinking about that point is the repeater book point, even if there was something in a location, it's damaged there are other people out there who are going to try and be repairing things. Presumably they're going to repair it or replace it, but leave all of those settings intact, knowing that if someone is looking for that repeater, those are the settings they're going to use. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, some other things we talked about, uh, programming for the Arduino or Raspberry Pi, uh, programming for the computer. If you need to, sort of build something to make your computer do something useful 
or have <laughs> a knowledgeable friend do it for you. Uh, having that kind of thing on this backup computer would be handy. Um, the programs or drivers for any of those peripherals, printers, 3D printers, that kind of thing. Um, I think we touched on the offline digital maps yep. um, and uh, some of those just tremendous PDF resources that, that are out there, um, you know, be it whole books, be it uh, canning recipes, growing guides, foraging guides. Uh, there's so much information there. And I love hard copy, but it does take up a lot of space. Uh, so, you know, if this is just sitting there, it doesn't take up any you know, any physical space. And VT brings up a good point there that the good industrial welders use rheostats over CPUs. So there you go. It depends, I guess, what type of welding you're going. He mentions TIG welding and everything else. But, yeah, it's, uh, I guess, if you a quality thing, you might not need to throw it in there or not. But um, one thing I just want to mention, too, with all this stuff is that if you save something to DVD, no requirement to throw it in a Faraday box. It's EMP proof, right, because it's an optical versus a, a magnetic system. Um, but if you're going to throw it on USB drives or, or backup, you know, portable hard drives like that, uh, yeah, you have to throw it in your Faraday box. And just keep in mind that DVDs do have a, a lifespan or a shelf life. So they do degrade over time. So something to keep in mind. Yeah, and VT reminds me that, yeah, the reason they're 19 volts going in from the laptop is because you can't charge 12 volt with 12 volt DC. 12 volts DC, you have to have a higher voltage coming in. But of course, that's assuming you're charging a battery. I think the running the laptop would probably be closer to 12 anyway, right? But if you, if you didn't care about charging the battery on it, but I'm sure you'd want to to keep it running when the generator wasn't running or the solar panel wasn't charging. But brings up a good point. What other programs or data do we want to put on this uh, this heavily fortified computer safely in our Faraday boxes? Well, I think you deal with the, the, the PDF files because there's just so many books available that if you have the opportunity to save them, you know, even if you could somehow print them off later or pass them on later, it'd be just nice to to have the knowledge. But yeah, you don't weigh anything. There's some form of some form of entertainment too, like some movies or shows or something. Mm, good point. Yeah. Yes, uh, Alan. If Alan were here, he'd make the point that boredom kills. <laughs> He would make that point, I believe. Yep, that and, and carbon monoxide. Totally, totally carbon yeah. monoxide. And, it, and that the last lockdown taught us anything is that Tiger King keeps people entertained. So it does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first show I download to my uh, my laptop that's in my Faraday box. Well, now it's Squid Game. Yeah. You gotta get that's the latest uh, craze, right? <laughs> yeah, I refuse. I refuse to watch that. <laughs> yeah, you lived it once. You don't need to watch the documentary. I watched Tiger King. That's enough. <laughs> um, so power is another key concern. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, you know, are we talking whole generators, key parts, inverters? Um, you know, a wood gasifier has certain timing components and motors. So, you know, if you don't have that timing component working, that would be an issue. Uh, I was thinking a double-A AA or triple-A battery charger. Uh, maybe something, again, that runs on that 12 volts versus the 110 AC. Um, we've talked on the show before about standardizing batteries and that sort of thing. I know uh, Alan likes the 1865, or uh, sorry, 18650 batteries. I figure, you know, in this post-apocalyptic world, it'd be a, pr 
probably easier to stumble across double A batteries than uh, than the larger ones. But not to mention a side gig of reload or recharging batteries for a barter system. Yeah, there you uh, go. Yep, barter smart. Yep. So, what else are we putting in for power, boys? Uh, solar charge controller. Because if there's one thing mm-hmm. I just learned is that it's easy to short one out. <laughs> Ask me how. Yeah, no, so uh, yeah, spare solar charge controllers. If you're going to really be relying on a solar charge system to run all these magical components that survived the EMP blast, yeah, spare charge controller probably would go a long way in case of either F-ups because you you left me in charge of it or also just wear and tear, whatever have you, uh, because this is not something you can easily replicate in a reduced environment like that. So, and they're cheap. Does that charge controller look like your iPhone now? Not as bad as the iPhone, <laughs> but it's still sitting in the trash. So fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, one USB charger. Uh, so even like those cigarette lighter style that you know are meant to go on the side of the ammo can. There, um, just have a spare one of those, mm-hmm. just in case you know there's some internal components that are affected by that, and maybe need to or just wear and tear again. Just having a spare one that's not going to be affected, so you can keep running that yeah. that battery charging business that's feeding your family now. <laughs> you never know. That's a good point. They're small; they don't take up a lot of room. Right? And again, two or three, two or three bucks off AliExpress. Just throw it in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of along the same line. Um, I my intent for getting that large Faraday box that I got was that I could put a full size generator in it. Um, obviously, it's not going to be that easily portable, but I figure uh, it's on wheels couple of ramps I can get it into the truck if I need to or um, I mean obviously I, if I'm bugging out and vehicles don't work it's it's not gonna it's gonna be useless for me but I'll worry about that when the time comes uh, I agree solar charge controller um, I'm gonna throw in a couple of foldable solar panels just um, so that uh, they don't get fried if they're they're outside and a uh, a 110 inverter I've got a 3000 watt um, Vehicle batteries, I, I think, if vehicles don't work, are going to be fairly easy to come by. So um, I'm not concerned about having a little bit of a larger inverter if it will run a couple of bigger things that we might need. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and, I, and I just like the idea of storing some parts. I, I know that's come up a couple of times now in a few of the uh, the sections for the list. Uh, just storing some some random parts for things that you may have that you're you're using all the time, anyways. So the the parts that you figure are going to get uh, get zapped in the uh, the EMP event. If it's something you're always going to use, just if you can grab the uh, the spare parts to put in your box, and that could in theory work as well if you've got the ability to replace them. Yeah, That's so the like, trick. like VT mentions here, it's basically like a ignition controller. Uh, I think it's a engine centralized monitoring system or something i don't know uh yeah obviously just ignition starting parts for cars critical components that if you can spare them or if you have an older car or any go to the junkyard and get spares for for cheap why not yeah but steve will correct me on that whatever the ecm is in about three seconds yeah anyway (laughs) the engine control module well thank you there you go Okay, so clearly it's not my forte. I won't lie to you, baby. It's not my bag. <laughs> well, it's, but it's an excellent segue talking about yep. vehicles. Um, so uh, whether having you know your spare key, that modern transponder style, 
be a shame if your vehicle survived because it was parked in a, inside a garage or something, but your keys were both fried. You couldn't start the vehicle that way. Talk does, anybody about else, does anybody else not long for the round key and the square key days where you could just like have one for the locks and one for the ignition and good to go? Or am I just showing my age right now? I think the only other person that remembers that would be Scott. Hey, the Model was A gonna... was a beautiful car. <laughs> when it Jeff first came on the market, too. I was so... <laughs> Um, one of the things we have talked about is uh, those vehicle components. And I had started looking into it, whether having that backup module uh, sort of, you know, it's cheaper to just put that in a Faraday box rather than try and bag a whole spare car. Um, but my concern was there's so many little modules. Uh, how many of those would trip up the main one if... It's great the ignition and the main computer are replaced, and you, but if they're going to complain that, oh, I can't talk to the, the power window module, and uh, I can't run this car, obviously, um, is there something like that that's going to trip us up? Um, so I don't know the answer to that, um, but that's why we talk about this with smarter people than us. But would you in reality want your car to start if you couldn't put the windows down in a post-apocalyptic world though? Like seriously? Well, I, I had them go down one time and not come up and it was winter. So that was a problem. <laughs> if, if Mad Max taught me anything, it's good. You're going to have like metal grills instead of windows anyway. So just smash those bad boys out and carry on. Get them out of the way right. now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know how Alan is going to fit his helicopter in a Faraday box. Uh, especially with all those CO detectors. Uh, well, clearly with... Uh, if he's planning on blanket. getting to our doomsteads with his helicopter. Oh. Uh, what other vehicle components, spare parts, uh, entire vehicles should we be protecting here, gents? Well, I think we already mentioned the ignition modules for my stuff, but it's pretty much all I had for, for vehicle stuff because unless you get a really old car, maybe even if, if you have motorcycles or ATVs, I suppose... If you have uh, consumables on those things, they're probably smaller and easier to store. Maybe give thought to that if you're going to be down to like a one motorcycle family or something. Yeah. There, all, all six children hanging off it. Like, uh, hey, hey, don't right. don't knock it. It's obviously being done in other countries. So works in the rest of the world. That's right. Uh, all right. So, what are some of the personal items that we're going to want to put on a USB stick, hard drive? Uh, what are some of the, the items there? Well, and I think this could uh, probably apply to not just EMP world, but also just uh, general, like anything from a house fire to a break-in to whatever. If you got this thing hidden well enough or tucked away somewhere that's not likely to be stolen, yeah, everything. Like, you know, uh, important documents, you know, copies, numbers, uh, doc, you know, financial files, anything like that. Even tax files, in case the tax man comes back at you afterwards, after the insurance people finish up with you after the house fire. You know uh, the tax man's coming back. Oh, yeah. No, because yeah. if, if you get an insurance payout, they're going to want to tax it or something. So Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah and and uh, EMP is not going to affect them at all. No, 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 not at all. No. But honestly, yeah. <laughs> they all work on hard copy. <laughs> That's right. Mm -hmm. Well, nothing would surprise me with the amount of paper the federal government uses, but... Anyway, um, yeah, no, I'd say pretty much anything you can on the hard drive. Actually, we just I just picked up a pack of them from Costco. Now they're like, it's not hard to get like a, a 64 gigabytes cheap now, but I think a 256 is still relatively cheap as well. But I mean, yep. relatively, but those 64 gigs I think are the way to go right now. They, that would pretty much hold every document you've ever written in your life. So, except for maybe Eric. 
Maybe. No. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I might need two. That's a lot of TPS reports, I know. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, TPS reports. Yeah. Um, someone had suggested the entire offline catalog of the Canadian Prepper podcast. That's probably a good thing oh, to have in there. That's That's great, yeah. Did, That's did just see, the thing you wanted to listen to yeah. is us going on. So if you're feeling depressed and you, and you put it on us for like 139 episodes or something, that would yeah. make you more depressed. Actually, do, do us a favor. Don't download like the first eight or nine. And even then, it's kind of rough. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get the hang of it one day. Yeah, you know, we're only 139 in, so we're getting there. We've got some practice. Um. Yeah, obviously, family photos, uh, music as a sanity aid uh, in the podcast. There was some talk of uh, DVD collections of movies, um, sort of any of that digital entertainment that's just going to help keep you sane through a cold, boring winter. Well, when you think about like the entire collected works of the Beatles is still less than one movie as far as memory space goes, right? So. Yeah, you can get a lot of music in per gigabyte than you can versus movies. So as far it's as Sandy 8 and entertainment, yeah, you could put a, you know 22 gigs of music on loop. You probably wouldn't get tired of it too fast. Just a thought for sure. Yeah. You'll need a speaker too in order to play said music. All right. Yes, that's right. We should put a yeah. little Bluetooth speaker in there maybe. Yeah. Back in the good old days, I actually had this little uh, MP3 player. It was like a USB stick you could stick in your computer, and you literally just shoved it in and it had like a headphone jack, and it would actually just play back and forth. But there's only like 12 gig or 12 megabytes or something. It's like six songs or something. Too bad they didn't still make those because they're super simple and obviously disposable. You just throw it in the box. But uh, Freya's got a good uh, a good point here. Should get some apocalypse movies to watch during the apocalypse. <laughs> well, it is like kind of our jam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because you know, you'd be like, that's so fake. It was way worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing to turn up the p- paranoid meter a little bit more. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Why not? Well, I just, I couldn't resist because I, I actually bought a second one now. It's actually got the, the stuff on top, but I, I still think for, you know, the, the fun little, you know, USB mm-hmm. layers, those, those, those are pretty cool. So that's what I put in there because it's electronic component, has microchips and everything else. So, yeah. Well, I mean, the beautiful thing about that is, if you can charge that from your dynamo crank radio or your solar mm-hmm. panel, you don't need butane. It's got a USB. Yep. So it, it charges by a USB actually. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's, uh, that's how you charge the thing. So if you have a solar system, hmm. you technically without having to worry about it, you have unlimited fire starting capability without a ferro rod. If you have the high tech uh. stuff in the Faraday box. Uh-uh. Cool. Very, very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other things under the personal category to, to include? I think that's a good basic list. All right. Um, medical, uh, a little bit more of my jam, uh, whether it's some diagnostic devices or personally important items, insulin pump, uh, blood glucose meter, pulse oximeter, uh, if there's something that you use now that has electronic components, that's an important part of your health uh, or your family's health, your loved ones, uh, is it worth putting a backup one in? Is it worth when you upgrade to the newest model of whatever, does the old one go into the box? Um, well, 
Yeah. I threw in the pulse oximeter in there because, you know, like obviously you can count to 10 and count heartbeats, I'm sure at the same time or whatever. But again, who has a pocket watch that's still analog anymore to, to count the heartbeats? Over 10 Sadly, seconds. I do, but okay. Well, that's actually kind of it's EMP proof, right? Um, and then, uh, but also the pulse oximeter, because I mean, how do you else do you figure SATO2 levels without something fancy electronic, right? So, I mean, that's why I threw that in there. It's just one of those kind of irreplaceable things. So otherwise, how would you ever know with uh, an analog diagnostic tool? So, on the cheap, exactly. Anyway. So, no, yeah. absolutely. And they, they tend to be really small. I mean, they're, you know, Slightly yeah, bigger not, than not a clothespin, but not much. Yep. All right. So, what other items are we going to uh, throw in here? Go ahead, guys. Honestly, yeah. I was at this point. I was like, stuff. I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'll I'll go through some basics of what I've got in my kit. So uh, I've got my little Zygu uh, X108G. So it's a little HF uh, radio. So it either lives in my Faraday box or if I have it out to play, then uh, I put my little X5105 in. What is an X5105? Which, which is this guy here. So it's also a little uh, little HF rig, but it's got its own built-in battery bank. So uh, it's either one or the other. If, if one's out to play, the other one's in the box and vice versa. Um, so they're, they're handy to have. Uh, and then, yep, that me. Uh, yeah, yep, that's me. Actually, sorry. He uh, night vision goggles. Good point. Oh, good that. point. Yeah. Uh, yeah or, or your night vision rifle scope. Yep. If you had a spare one in spare cash to throw one in the Faraday box, I suppose. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Uh, a little pixie. So this guy will pick up Morse code. So ah. uh, yeah. So it just needs a little wire antenna. And it can send Morse code as well. So it's a small little device. It doesn't take a lot of power draw at all. And uh, the day that I learn Morse code, it'll be useful. And until then, it's not, but it lives in the Faraday box. Sounds pretty, so, though, right? Yeah, um, so. Actually, just out of curiosity, those, those Morse code tappers, the old analog, like uh, the electromagnetic versions, um, are they still easy to find, or is it more just gone digital now? Uh, no, they're still, they're still around. Okay. Yep, yep, they're still around, like this little guy here. I don't know if he'll reach the camera, but... Yeah, I won't reach the camera, but I got, a, I got one sitting here by my... Uh, my HF rig. It's, uh, there's nothing electronic about it as far as chips or anything that would get fried. So it's just some wires and some contact points. So, cool. So yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, yeah. Besides that, uh, we've got my FRS radios. I know we already mentioned those, but um, they'd be useful. And besides that, right now my uh, my box is all full of ham radio gear, which I know is really shocking for me. Eventually, I'll add some other things. Just need a bigger box. Need a bigger. Well, I got one. I just got to uh, got to set it all up. <laughs> That'll be our next episode. Yeah. I don't really have much except uh, more or less what we mentioned. Um, I just had again down that that uh, crank, the hand crank radio, flashlight, small charger to charge up your small electronics and whatever. Uh, on top of everything else that's in there, but that's uh, that's about it. Everything else has been covered. Uh, two other miscellaneous things that uh, I had thought of was a uh, small video projector, plus or minus uh, a DVD player. Uh, just to deal with that boredom, you're going to be incredibly popular in the neighborhood. If you can hang up a sheet, 
you know, make popcorn over the campfire and give everyone a little sense of normal for a while. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then also a digital weather station. Um, you know, it sits in the kitchen. <laughs> we look at it all the time. Uh, if there's no forecasts coming and the weather is going to have a fairly significant impact on our, our lives, uh, knowing whether it, yep, today's not a good day to, you know, make that walk to town because it's going to pour rain. Uh, you know, again, that's something that would be useful. The fancy, like, crystal storm glasses are kind of neat, but, uh, you know, I'll just put a little battery power <laughs> one in my Faraday box. I guess you have to include a PDF file on reading reading the barometer for meteorology purposes <laughs> to see what's happening. When, you, when the pressure changes, what that means is everything else because you never know. Also, I see. I foresee the future. You could have like a sign over your house that said, "Like honest Scots, like movie watching and battery charging." You'd be a rich man. <laughs> <laughs> Drive up in your Model A, and you'd be fine. Yeah. Uh, Denny in the live chat's got a good point. Uh, a voice recorder. Uh, he's also got a, a portable weather radio. But uh, yeah, voice recorder is a great idea. Yeah, I never even uh, thought about that. But uh, yeah, and I mean, I, I think in. You know, in this sort of scenario, it's amazing how something like that would just be incredibly useful and, uh, you know, all the things we take for granted. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'll steal Brad's stuff, I guess. Um, he's mentioned pretty much a repeat of everything except for a video camera, maybe, but that's, uh, again... I suppose, I don't know what you should be using a video camera for, maybe nefarious purposes at that point, but <laughs> never know. Uh, we also had feedback from Darren, actually, on the email regarding what he put in his uh, uh, Faraday box as well. And I think for the most part, it was good. Uh, it was pretty much a repeat of most of the stuff except for MP3 players and earphones for the kids. Because, yep. again, you plug, plug, plug your kid into one of those, and they pretty much sit still and don't make a noise for a few hours. That's maybe a good sanity break for you. Until you and want then, them to sit still for a couple hours, and then they don't. Yeah. Uh, digital clock and calendar <laughs> he put, but also, I mean, by the same token, um, that would be your smartphone without a chip or without a, a SIM card. You'd have yep. both those functions on there anyway, right? And uh, he did actually repeat you guys. He said smoke alarms. That's ah. smart. That's yeah. incredibly smart. It is. Missed or the CO part of it, though. I was going to say, is it one of the combination ones? <laughs> well, yeah. Spend the extra dollars, right? Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. Make Alan happy. So, in terms of how to organize all this stuff, um, do you guys see it more as you have, you know, you buy a second of something and you swap it in and out, like you were talking about with your HF radios, or is this where you put some of the hand me downs? You upgrade your cell phone, and your old one just kind of goes in here as a an emergency fallback. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on on that, or is it a combination of both? Well, I think a lot of the stuff can be too expensive to actually just have doubles of everything. So either, like Eric said, if you know if you're not using one, leave it in the box um, in order to minimize cost. Because I mean, you can imagine if you had to have like two of everything to have one in the box and one in everyday use, that get real expensive real fast. Uh, but yeah, it's mildly obsolete version of what you're currently using. Like if you have like a newer HF radio and you take the old one rather than selling it, I suppose you could just, you know take one generation down into the box, and then if you have a second or third generation, then you could sell those off maybe or something. But it's yeah. it can get pricey fast, I would think. Well, it sure can. 
yeah, I kind of mm-hmm. had the same view is, you know, there's going to obviously be some components or some pieces and parts that you're just, you're going to be able to leave in the, in the box at all times. Uh, but yeah, there's going to be some where you're going to have to make a decision on how you're going to deal with it. Similar to how I've decided that one of my HF rigs or one of my portable ones stays in the box or the other ones out to play and vice versa. But um, yeah, it's, I think it's a, a personal choice and it all comes down to the finances and what you, you can purchase and what you can't and, and working out a way that like, let's be realistic. Some of the, the equipment here you're going to want to use and you're going to want to get familiar with. It can't live in the Faraday box all the time. So it's a, it's a balancing act of what you're comfortable with and, and how you want to, how you want to do it. Freya mentions being an online box making workshop. I suppose. That could be fun. Yeah. yeah, we could find the Discord. Don't they have a video thing on Discord? Yep, yep. It's got a video and an audio chat uh, function. We could we could potentially organize something to do uh, to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I would uh, I would volunteer to participate in that if there was yeah. uh, enough interest. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Coolio. Yeah, anything else uh, for the list or any other thoughts? I think at this point we have uh, some fairly full Faraday boxes <laughs> by the time we packed all this stuff in. Yeah. Hopefully we would never need it, but uh, you know, I think there's an awful lot of useful ideas that have come out of this chat. That's the that's the whole fun of this this subject is it's one of those things that we hope we'll never ever have to come across, but you never know. And it's it, like you said at the beginning, it's. Uh, <laughs> You, you just you can't calculate whether or not it's a possibility or if it's ever going to happen or, or not. Um, so why not? Yeah, just I, I think I think the e, the EMPs are are pretty far down the list, but the solar storms they're happening all yep. the time. So I I mean, I used to I used to work and in, uh, in a dispatch and we would get a, a good solar storm and we would lose half our communication. So mm-hmm. it, it happens and it and it probably happened more than frequently than a lot of people knew. Yep. That's one of those, those fun topics that uh, you can't really put, uh, put a number on or put an exact, you know, this, this could happen or has happened or it's, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting topic. At the end of the day, the old adage, better safe than sorry. Exactly. It's it's a fun topic full of all kinds of controversy. Yep. But hopefully we've given everybody kind of a, some thought and some ideas and um, maybe sparked some ideas as to what else you'd want to put in a Faraday box. If you do have one or, you know, as, uh, as we've seen in the live chat, a lot of people interested in building one. So maybe we'll put that, uh, that workshop together or figure out a way to do that in the discord group. And that'd be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Let's shall we uh, move into the podcast challenge. So your podcast challenge is at the very least, uh, compile a list of things you feel you need to preserve in case of an electronic attack or uh, incident that occurs. So be it an EMP, a CME, whatever. Yeah, I don't even think you have to buy them at this point, but just maybe start making a list of things you should probably, in order to take care of your own business, I guess, put them in yep. the box, right? Yep. Yep. Like awesome. you say, I mean... Financially, things can add up pretty quick, but there's probably a lot of things that you can you can get for a modest price that will uh, get you through. Yeah, yeah you got to start somewhere, right? So start out with the basics and expand from there. All right, so upcoming events. Uh, so December 4th and 5th, 
the uh, map reading and lav uh, well i can't talk <laughs> land navigation course by ragnarok tactical is uh, going on in mississauga ontario so uh, check out ragnaroktactical.ca we'll get a, a link in the show notes for you and i'll put it in the live chat here momentarily uh, sign up for that and uh, you get to go and meet uh, gavin in person so, and uh, andrew i believe oh and andrew that's right yep when you said map reading in lav i was thinking well that's where i do my best reading Oh, hey, you know, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, anyways, yeah. uh, deal of the week. Uh, thanks to Benny from the Patriot Discord group. Uh, he sent me a link to cabelas.ca, uh, that has currently got the Ruger PC carbine, which is $140 off, uh, despite supply chain shortages and border hoarding south of the U.S. there. Um, $799 at Cabela's sounds pricey, but if you think a Ruger 1022. But in nine millimeter format, it's not tacti cool. It's just like and it's not going to win any beauty contests, but it's ultra reliable, ultra fun to shoot. It's the family favorite, and um, I haven't seen it that cheap for four or five years. So, yeah, definitely, definitely a steal right now. So I threw the link in the show notes. Oh, I see Denny in the live chat. Here's burning me too. I swore I said lap navigation. Well. That, it's entirely that's more, possible. Yeah, it's more of a yeah. landing strip thing, but you know, like I, uh, I, I, I don't know where I was going with it. Just yeah. I thought I heard lavender, but it, it could have been all the things combined. Who know? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, email iTunes reviews. Uh, oh, before I forget, a uh, shout out oh, to uh, sure. Bernard at uh, Gear Dynamics up in Comox, a uh, local Vancouver company. Actually did a CGM deal with him, of course. Uh, oh. But uh, Bernard's got himself a great little setup, actually. Uh, checked out his website there at gear, geardynamics.ca. Um, everything tactical, imaginable, you know, pistol, tacos, uh, you know, AR-15 mags, even plate carriers, the whole works. Um, so if you're worried about shipping from the east side of the country or if you want to just support a local business or whatever on the island here, just thought I'd mention it. Uh, yeah, great guy. So Awesome. Yeah. All right. Now we can move into email iTunes reviews. All right. So uh, great education, but a bit political. Uh, three stars. Well, could be worse. Uh, the show is full of really useful and interesting information that will benefit beginners and experts alike. Uh, there's a current event segment, though it is a bit paranoid right-wing at times. <laughs> if you don't think that most journalists are spreading lies or that the government is purposefully trying to screw you, then you might not like that part. Uh, it's the host's opinions, uh, though, and I respect that. I just wish they'd keep focused on the topic of prepping without the distrust of institutions. That said, it's a it's healthy to be skeptical of institutions. It just comes off paranoid and there's a lot of solid, solid not a solid evidence-based case made. Again, great information. I have learned a lot. So what well, I think I speak on behalf of the whole panel when I say Scott, you're our favorite right winger. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely you are. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you right wing little young whippersnappers. You don't know left wing. Yeah. You knew as soon as you joined the podcast crew that, uh, yeah, you were going to be the most right wing of everybody on the, the panel. So. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. That's, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, okay, I got to address a couple of things right off the bat. Like, generally, when we do talk about the stuff current events wise, I think we all have a news article to back up what we're talking about. So. 
I don't think we're uh, we're just going with based on just opinions, and we're not. If we are assuming they're lying to us, we're spreading lies by providing those newspaper articles. So I'm not sure how what to tell them as far as that goes. But hey, he's right. I do throw a lot of opinion in that. Matter of fact, if you want to hear some even stronger opinions, go over to Canadian Patriot Podcast <laughs> <laughs> on Monday nights, and you'll really hear some opinions. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, obviously, uh, healthy feedback. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I uh, nope. don't have a problem with that. Although, again, in, back in the 1970s, they would call me a liberal. Because, uh, you know, fiscally responsible, socially liberal, uh, I don't think I'm really abnormal as far as that goes. Like, I just want to be left alone and not have be taxed to death. I don't think that's overly crazy much. Yeah. Anyway. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I come for talk of wood gas fires and wood stoves and interesting things. And yeah, sometimes we do get a little political, but I think we, we all agree to disagree sometimes. And it's not yeah, a bad nothing thing. wrong with that. Yeah. Um, I will take the opportunity to point out that that was a three-star review. So I don't know where it falls in my rant on one-star reviews that uh, hasn't been around for a while. It's, you know, we'll, we'll take it. I suppose it's not a one-star. It's well, not a five-star. He seemed to be of two minds because he, you know, he didn't like yeah. us being distrustful of institutions, but he also says healthy to skeptical. So he didn't give us a one. He didn't give us a five. He was right in the middle. So. This is go. true, but it's it's been a while since I've ranted about stars, so I figured I'd, I'd throw something in there for the listeners that have been with us since the beginning, because there was a while there that I ranted about one-star reviews, became a thing for a while, then carbon monoxide took over, so. You know what I'm leaving you next week, then. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Bring it on. All right. <laughs> All right. With that, I'll bring episode number 139 of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out. Submit a review. It does help other people find us as long as it's not a one to three star review. We record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek of the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click the notifications tab. This gives you alerts when we're going to go live. You can contact me, Scott, via the feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. And I can also be reached at uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. I'm not giving out my personal information because there's too many of these right-wingers around. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you won't tell me there's... Oh, never mind. Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, you can reach in directly by emailing me at theislandretreat at gmail.com. You can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast on iTunes and YouTube recording Monday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern. I'm also the Discord group for both CPPs. Uh, email us if you want an invite. We'll gladly send you one. I've actually got a bunch of people on by email. It's been fantastic. Um, there you can find us discussing why government has me cutting up a yard cardboard and yoga mats to make my Faraday boxes, which I actually didn't talk about construction yet. But anyway, we'll get back to that. We'll get to that when we do the how to build a box on uh, Discord. Yeah. All right, uh, please check out Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there on the live chat. Uh, you can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. So uh, thanks for joining us this evening. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. <laughs>